0: For next year. Hi everybody, it's the winningfornextyear.com podcast. I'm your host, Craig Lindell. We are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I haven't done one of these in a very long time, but with what happened to the Cleveland Browns in their, well... I was going to say final game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's the 16th game and normally would have been the final game. All that's left is now kind of a, a preseason game that's actually being played the last game of the season because who's actually going to play in this game? Uh, not Baker Mayfield, we know that. So the, the Browns lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were eliminated from playoff contention about a day ahead of time. So we kind of knew that the game was going to be meaningless, at least for the Browns. And somehow, some way, after an entire season of up and down, but mostly bad football, the Browns, with Baker Mayfield, had maybe the worst game of the season. I guess you could argue the game against the Patriots was worse, and I'm sure you could bring up other games that you found worse, or you'd make an argument that losing... The way they did in San Diego was worse. I don't know, but I, for me, the way they lost to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, the way they laid an egg, the, how badly the offense played and, and how many balls were batted down, how many incompletions, the interception, just all of it. It was a bad football game and the Browns did their part to make it one of the worst football games you could ever possibly watch. Even with the Mannings on the Manning cast during Monday Night Football. How How is it that this game, out of all the games, out of all the games that the Browns played, including one with a backup quarterback and one the COVID game. The COVID game with, I I can't even remember. I can't, I I, I know I should know. I feel like his name is Bruce, it's not Bruce. I can't remember the name of the quarterback who played in the COVID game off the top of my head and I'm not sitting in a computer so I can't look it up. The COVID game was more entertaining for me as a Browns fan than the one that we saw against Pittsburgh. When the team was back, when Baker Mayfield was back, um, they, they, how, did they, how did they manage to play that much worse? But they did. They did. And somehow it caused the seven-win Browns, currently seven-win Browns with a meaningless game against Cincinnati to go. to to all of a sudden be looked upon as bad or worse than the 2019 team or some of the the Sashi Brown tank for draft pick teams. And it's like a reflexive muscle. We get right back into absolute misery. We go from expectations and missed expectations in a bad season, undoubtedly a bad season, straight to utter misery. And I don't quite understand it. I had some of those feelings during the game, and I guess maybe I I didn't have a completely healthy perspective after the game, even a couple days after the game, but I've calmed down. I've calmed down a little bit. I'm not ready to write an article. I'm I'm honestly not ready to write an article at all, but I I wouldn't write an article saying, well, maybe Baker Mayfield played his last game. I mean, it's possible that Baker Mayfield has played his last game as a member of the Cleveland Browns. He he was certainly critical of the game plan, the lack of help uh, for Hudson at right tackle with uh, with um, Watt coming in and, and providing the pass rush all game in Pittsburgh. That's a bad look. But it's also kind of what happens when you get sacked damn near 10 times in a football game against one of your rivals. You're going to be emotional, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to wonder what you could have done differently, and and you probably shouldn't criticize your head coach directly, indirectly, or otherwise in the heat of the moment, in an emotional moment, after the game. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield. Let's talk about how this season unfolded and and maybe Even though it's too early to say, and we don't actually know anything, kind of what the future might look like. Um, In a lot of ways, it just feels like Baker Mayfield should have shut his entire season down after week six. Week six is when J.J. Watt tackled him, sacked him, strip-sacked him, and, and bent him in half. Broke his body. Uh, that's when I believe the shoulder fracture occurred. Week seven, you'll remember he did not play against Denver. That was a Case Keenum game. That is probably the moment. I don't blame Baker for for trying to play through the injury. He shouldn't have tried to make that tackle in Houston, but he did. He did, and once he did, you know, every there are a bunch of decision points that week, every week thereafter, and so. For the next few weeks, Baker Mayfield tried to play through it, and he was getting himself cleared by the doctor. And the team determined that he was their best bet, and they didn't want to bench him over the injury. And so they kept running Baker out there and, and kept trying to play him. And, and then Week Six happens, and JJ Watt really, really bends him, up, bends him in half. And presumably, not presumably, reportedly, that was the third time that that left shoulder had been popped out and popped back in so I mean these things are cumulative it was definitely a bad bad injury and Baker tried to play through it and and he misses one game week seven and he's right back in there and it wasn't good for him it wasn't good for the team and in hindsight I wouldn't I won't I won't knock Baker Mayfield for trying to play through the injury initially. I won't. But by the time he goes through that four game stretch, and then he gets smashed in that game six, I think it's another decision point, another time to really sit down and look at it, no matter how tough you are, no matter how much you pride yourself on being a warrior and never allowing yourself to succumb to injury it's probably the moment. It's probably the moment where he and the team should have come together and said, hey, look, enough's enough. We know you're a warrior. We know you want to be out there. We know you're, you're tough. We know it's a kind of a contract year, even though we picked up your fifth year option. But the best move for everybody is, is probably to have you go get surgery, get healthy, start planning for next year, and, and we'll make other plans. Um, that didn't happen that didn't happen. And so progressively, even as Baker presumably got healthier, not not fully healthy, of course, but healthier, he dealt with an ankle and a knee and the shoulder continually and all this kind of stuff. He just kept playing worse and worse. And somewhere in there, OBJ quits the team, they trade him. um, the, The passing game gets worse and worse. And finally it just peaks in the ultimate moment of negativity against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh after the team had lost their chance at making the playoffs and it it feeds speculation a narrative and all these different things which if hindsight being 2020 if baker doesn't play after week 6 we're not dealing with any of that stuff probably we're still thinking. Well, we'll see what Baker can do when he's healthy again. And we're still thinking back to the tail, the the second half of 2020, and and the playoff game in Pittsburgh, and the playoff game against Kansas City. And that's that, that's our memory, and and that's where we're going. I'm not sure what we really found out about Baker Mayfield this year, other than he he truly is tough. I you can't take it away from him. The the way he was willing to to pony up and get in there and and dare the doctors to, to make him ineligible for medical reasons. It's impressive. It's impressive. Uh, ultimately we care more about winning football games and, and solid, uh, competent quarterback play. And we didn't really get that this year. Um, but this idea that, that the injuries don't matter or that we, you have to grade Baker's year on a curve and the browns and andrew Barry and kevin stefanski are going to have to grade his year on a curve. Uh, and it's unfair. I've seen a lot of the the twitter criticism and I try not to I try not to make I try not to argue against the straw man arguments here on the podcast, but there were a lot of people whenever you bring up the injuries, they would say, "Well, why does why does a shoulder injury affect affect his footwork?" And it's it's like are are you serious? Are you people serious? everything it's a it's a human body you know the neck bones connected to the, the what bone and the shoulder bones connected to the elbow bone you know we we know the song everything's connected everything's connected the body's connected you know when when i was a kid and i tore an acl they said that when i was coming back from it that there could be all kinds of complementary pain up and down the the leg because while you're favoring your right knee you may do some weird stuff on your left knee and when you're, when you're favoring your right knee, you may do some weird stuff on your left leg and it might hit your left ankle. And so when a when a man and, and I'm, you know, I was just a hack soccer player in high school. My point is that anybody who's been injured in one spot, you know, just because your legs aren't injured, if your left shoulder's messed up, you're, you're not going to be very comfortable running a half marathon. You're not going to be comfortable um, running sprints. Everything's connected. It's all connected. And this idea that Baker Mayfield's injuries were isolated to that left shoulder and that it didn't affect everything else, it's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. And it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's intellectually disingenuous, and it bothers me. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? And that's not me going, I, I'm not one of those ride with six Baker bros, Baker Mayfield might have peaked. He might have shown us his ceiling. He might be only capable in his best year of being the 11th or 12th best quarterback in the league. Okay, and that's not good enough as a franchise planning long-term. That's not good enough as a franchise to, to give a guy a long-term deal. It's not, you know, if you can break, if in your best year, you can be inside the top 10 or closer to top five. Okay. Then you've, you've answered that question and you're worthy of the extension. You're worthy of the contract. Baker Mayfield might not be that guy. And that's the most frustrating thing to me from this season is that we still don't know. And if we go by what we saw, the answer is no. I agree. If we go by what we saw, the answer is no, but if you're Andrew Barry, you've got to, you've got to handicap against the injury and you've got to at least leave some wiggle room because there's a very real chance when you go to the free agency market and you go to the draft and you go to all the trade markets and all the different ways that the Browns could improve the quarterback position, that their very best option to start the 2022 season is still going to be Baker Mayfield on his fifth year option. That has to be in your calculus. If the Browns could get Aaron Rodgers, would I take him over Baker Mayfield with this roster to compete for a Super Bowl? Absolutely. You'd be crazy not to. You can never predict long-term viability of a roster in the NFL, so if you got a chance to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers as he approaches 40, or, or I, I, he might be 40, I think he's approaching 40, you do it. You do it. The guy's probably going to win the MVP at, at quarterback. You can add an MVP quarterback right after his MVP season and add him to Chubb and Kareem Hunt and whatever the Browns do to upgrade the receiving core? Yes. Yes. All the yes. But that's not necessarily available. We don't know that Russell Wilson's available. We don't even know if Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins are available. And if Kirk Cousins is available, we don't know that the Browns don't already have a cheaper version of Kirk Cousins now. I mean, t- Kirk Cousins has better seasons than Baker Mayfield has had in his career. Yes, we know this. But Kirk Cousins is also a known quantity with a known ceiling and a, and a cap number that's like 40 some million. Okay. And he might not be available, that's the point. So you have to enter the, the injury stuff into your calculus one, thinking about Baker Mayfield because he might be your very best option heading into next year. He might be, there might not be anything better you can do. And that's the real frustrating thing. The most frustrating thing for me coming out of this season with regards to Baker Mayfield is that we didn't really learn anything good. We, I, I wanted, to learn that he was worthy of a long-term deal. Every Browns fan should have wanted to learn that about Baker Mayfield this year. They should have wanted him to continue the momentum of what he did in the second half of last year, that yeah, he might have some up and downs, but overall, that that trend line was heading in the upward direction, or at least as, uh, as high as it was, that that took the Browns to the playoffs, had them win a game in Pittsburgh, embarrassed Big Ben in that, that playoff game last year, and and away we go. You know, it's just a matter of figuring out what the number is, and then you plan around that. That's what we all should have been hoping for. And what we end up with is uh, a wasted year. I think, I, I'm not, I don't, there's nobody to blame, though. Um, we don't know... We don't know anything good about Baker Mayfield and his long-term prospects. All we, the only positive development, the positive information we have, is based on last year, which is now a little bit more stale than it used to be. Um, we have to, we have to figure it out. Um, but I don't really blame anybody. I don't blame Andrew Berry for coming into this season the way they did. I, I thought it was a very good attempt. It was a very good roster. Um, I like their plan at running back. You know, the they they couldn't probably have done much different in terms of their planet wide receiver. Um, I like their plan at offensive line. Certainly the defense started slowly, but they certainly figured it out in the second half. So you've got to give him kudos for his plan on on defense and the upgrades in the secondary and his draft picks between J O K and Newsom. Look great. Look absolutely great. Um, So how do you you, sometimes even with a good plan, you don't get the results you want. Okay. And then what you do with that information, that's, that's the million, multi-million hundred million dollar question for the Cleveland Browns. They, they have very good pieces. They've got lots of good plans heading into 2022 already. And they've got some question marks. Obviously OBJ is gone. Jarvis Landry's owed a lot of money. Um do you, do you just bring back the defense as is because it was good this year? or do you do you try and upgrade middle linebacker where Anthony Walker is? Do you do you plan on um, some of the young guys alongside JOK taking another step forward? What do, you, what do you do with those kinds of things? The Browns stood pat on the offense and the offense failed miserably this season. You know, who saw that coming? Nobody rational, None of the preseason, uh, previews thought that the Browns defense offense was just going to fall apart, but it did. It did. And so that's where they sit today. Um, so what are the Browns going to do? What are the, are the Browns going to look to upgrade quarterback? Yeah, I think they will. Doesn't mean that they're going to come up with anything good. You know, are are you just going to move on from Baker no matter what, even if it's Mitch Trubisky? Like, I, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, so there, there are lots of lots of variables and lots of things and, and lots of there's lots of nuance in, in determining a plan from year to year, a roster from year to year. And I think a lot of that's lost in the way we talk about these things and in the height of the frustration of one of the most miserable games um, of the last two years. And that Steelers game was absolutely miserable, utterly miserable. But overall, you know, the, the season was disappointing. I'm upset about it, but I wouldn't trade this roster for the 2019 roster. I wouldn't trade this roster for any of the rosters prior to 2019, you know, post-99, but t- prior to 2019. This is the still one of the best rosters the Browns have had since 99. It's a really great building block to make some changes and take a run at it next year. And yeah, there are some questions. There are some negatives and some things that the Browns need to figure out but you know when when all the dust settles and we try and have some perspective on what the Browns have and what they need to do to take the next step it's hard for me to just go into the bottom bottom of the barrel or think that we're, we're in the basement again it's a down year but just because the results didn't come out the way we wanted them to, as fans, doesn't mean that the attempt or the plan wasn't good. You know, Kevin Stefanski's got things to work on too. Trust me, I know that. I know that. The same guy. It's the same guy who was coach of the year last year and impressed us all. So um, I'm not telling you that this season's okay that it's acceptable, whatever that means. And I'm not telling you that the Steelers game was acceptable or that I'm happy about it. I'm just saying that once you get over the bitching and the complaining about isolated things or, or the overall body of work not turning out the way you wanted it to be, you've got to be practical and think about, all right, well now what, you know? Now that you're done complaining, now that we're done complaining, and, and now that we're done licking our wounds and being sad, and disappointed and frustrated. Now it's time to plan for the future. What do we do with it? What do we do with the information we gained from this year? How do we adjust? And how do the Browns make another run at it next year? And I, I can't, I can't be pessimistic about that. I can't be upset about that. I can't, I, I just can't be pessimistic about it. As I've said, um, I, I trust Andrew Barry. I trust Kevin Stefanski. Um, You know, these guys have to make improvements. They've got to um, improve on their performances. They've got to improve this roster and give it another go. Um, But this is part of building a team long term and trusting continuity and trusting the process. You know, sometimes uh, one one of the things, and I know people hate the whole analytics thing, and it's something I've talked about over the years, but process over results is a really important concept, whether you're talking about um, working out in your personal life or building an NFL football team. All you can do is guarantee the process. You can't guarantee the results. The Browns had a very banged up year, and that's not an excuse. They still should have won three, four more games, and they should probably be entering the playoffs. They left they left some opportunity on the table. It's not an excuse, but it's a reason. Okay. And year to year, teams are healthy or they're injured. There's no, there's not much of a trend to it. It's not, it's it's a pretty random statistic if you look at the if you look at the statistics that people come up with versus, you know, teams that were healthy one year or injured the next, and then injured another year and healthy the next. And so you can't really plan on that stuff that we we haven't figured out exactly how to organize around improving those variables because the nfl is a weird is a weird league football is a weird sport and a violent game and random stuff happens so um the browns just need to make sure that when they get to that poker table next year that it's at least as good as the the hand that they're coming in with is at least as good as it was this year. But I'm telling you, just because they lost, just because they lost at the poker table this year, doesn't mean that they didn't have two pair, or a weak full house, or they had a good hand. They had a good hand to push their chips in and to play the hand and they lost. They lost. That's how it goes. Um, But I'm not, I'm not miserable about the Browns looking forward, even if I'm I am kind of miserable with what happened last Monday. Um, so that's where I am. Um, honestly, I'm doing this podcast because I found my microphone. I, I, uh, my, my portable microphone was missing for like three months and I found it and I had the inspiration to talk about the Browns and Baker Mayfield. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, I miss doing this. I don't have as much time as I used to, to do these things, but, uh, anytime I can crack a mic and talk about the Browns, it's fun to do. So thanks so much for listening part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. They have wonderful podcasts over there. I want to thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. It's the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast.